For the sake of time, I'd like to get your attention focused with me on this title and this concept. All right. Let's not, let's not turn this broadcast off until we have returned to some music and some prayer and meditation in your home or wherever you're watching. I'd like for you just to stay committed to this broadcast, if you would, please. <clears throat> A swing vote in the desert. We're continuing in our Exodus series. And you may not realize there was a swing vote that happened in the desert. And a swing vote is a vote constituency. When you have two sides and there is a middle mushy area that hasn't been quite decided yet where and how they will cast their vote. They wait till the last minute. They watch. They keep their finger in the air with it wetted to see which way the wind's blowing. And then when it's at the very last minute, they cast their vote and no one knows exactly how they will vote unless pressure is put on them. Typically, the vote will not come in until it is the deadline, midnight of election day. And then you know which way the swing vote swung. They're the undecided. They are the lukewarm. They are those who have a complex, if you want to call it that, that is trying to stay moderate. And trust me, friends, there are people like that in America today who are going to vote in a couple of days. And how do I know that? Because this is a record election year for campaign finances. They say $10.8 billion has been spent on campaigning for president. 11 billion, I didn't say million, but billion with a B has been spent. And they're not spending that money on people whose minds are made up. Uh-uh. They're spending that money on people who are somewhere between 10 and two. You know, they're not, they're not spending it on the people that are at the far end of the pole. No, no, no. North and South. They're, they're, they're spending it on the people who are still potentially changeable. Well, this happened in the desert and I want to outline the story for you in the next few minutes. And, uh, it's like I said, it's perfect how the Lord lets every scenario we go through be a part of this series. I believe it's been the Lord's perfect plan and perfect will for us to study together these last several months on this series called Exodus. Because I know we are coming out of this someday soon. If it's, if it's going out horizontally, praise God. Well, if it's going out vertically, even more praise to God, right? Even so come Lord Jesus. Exodus 32, 26. Here it is. When then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. At the moment that he used the word me, at that moment, no one knew who would be the priests and carry out the priest responsibilities throughout the entire Old Testament. No one knew. That wasn't decided. 
But watch, this was the inauguration of an entire tribe. All the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. Where were the other tribes? There were 11 other tribes not even mentioned. Isn't that interesting that in the desert we have Moses drawing a line in the sand and he's saying, whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. He wasn't looking for the majority. He wasn't making a democratic process decision. <laughs> he was just saying, this is all about choosing whether or not you're on the Lord's side. Meaning there's only, there's only one other side. And that is not on the Lord's side. So, scripture after scripture tells us throughout the Bible that there were places where individuals were given choices and lines were drawn. It's a part of God's theology. It's a part of his theocracy. Joshua 5.13 says that Joshua told a guy that appeared right in front of him with a sword in his hand, Joshua said, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And then one time, Joab's lifetime and, and the in the lifetime of David, the scripture says, whoever favors Joab, follow him, and whoever's for David, follow him. There are, there are decisive moments throughout scripture. Another one is in 2 Kings. It says that, that someone looked up the window and said, who's on my side? Who? Right? And then I want to show you one of the most famous ones. Jesus himself said, he who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. So, do you catch the drift? That's a collection of scriptures regarding allegiance, loyalty, and dedication. Decision. Decision. Lord, bless this time together. Thank you, Lord, for those watching far and near. Thank you, Lord, for those who are letting the word of the Lord be imparted into their hearts. Jesus, I pray that you let it be the majority right now. Give us a hunger and a desire to be a part of those who have made up our mind and we're following Jesus for the rest of our life, regardless of the cost. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, team members, for coming to help the production and the broadcast, getting this service out and about and online. And uh, I'm so thankful. There's too many for me to list. I'm just so thankful for all of you. But I will say happy birthday to my sister-in-law, Sister Allison Kelly, Worship Experiences Director. We love you. And happy, happy birthday to you. Very, very much appreciate you spending your birthday here helping us at the church facility. Praise the Lord. Amen and amen. A guy dressed in a devil costume just got finally perfectly dressed up. I mean, he looked like the devil, okay? On his way to a Halloween party, driving through a rural area, the rain is coming down. <coughs> his tire blows out. And he pulls over to change the tire. Unfortunately, the spare is flat too. So he hadn't seen cars for miles. So you know what he did? He decided, well, I'm just going to have to take a walk through the, uh, this uh, unknown area and try to find help. Well, he came to this little country church that was having a prayer meeting. 
He walked in the door not thinking of what he had on. He kind of forgot his costume because he was needing to get to his party. Well, people began to scatter like crazy from the devil. I mean, they thought he was the devil, right? The church emptied out. All except for one little old man who was asleep on the pew. The man with the flat tire, still dressed in his devil costume, sat down in front of the man asleep and looked at him. The little old man, after a little while, cracked his eyes open. Eyes flew open big. He sat up, he looked directly at the devil and said, I want you to know I've been coming to this church for 50 years and I've been on your side the whole time. It doesn't matter how long you've been coming to church. It doesn't matter how long you say you've been a Christian. What matters is whose side you're on. <clears throat> I hope you can say amen to that. If the devil showed up right now, I hope you wouldn't give in and say, Hey, buddy, I'm really on your side all along. What a crazy little joke of a story. But here's what I want us to do now. I want you to get relaxed, get comfortable, and let's get our Bibles open and get ready. The story needs to be pictured. I want you to try to get it visualized clearly in your brain. Because we're looking at the scene from Exodus 32, 26. It finds Moses descending into the camp where a boisterous and lewd party has been stirred up by Aaron, the priest. I mean, it's like a rock concert on steroids with fireworks and with smoke and with nakedness and with a lot of stuff that you wouldn't even want to talk about in front of a family environment. I'm serious about that. Lewd, boisterous party. What had happened is Aaron allowed the, fan, the flames to be fanned from Egyptian sensuality out of which Israel had recently been released. Egyptian sensuality was alive and well in these Israelites. So let's, let's look at the story. The Lord told Moses, quick, go down the mountain. Your people whom you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. This is while Moses is still on the mountain. Moses doesn't have remote control. He doesn't have a drone flying to give him updates. He doesn't have remote control or any kind of radio or a text. Or, he just has God. And God says, you would not believe what's happening down in the valley. Get down there. How quickly, God says, listen, how quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. Mm. So who swung your vote? Who or what changed your mind? Just keep that scripture in, in, in pointed at for a second, all right? You were so committed, Israel, when you put blood of a spotless lamb on your houses publicly. And when you marched through the Red Sea, you were so proud. You were so alive. You were so public. And you had a commitment to God. And now the Lord is saying how quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. How, what, what, what changed your mind, Israel? It makes me go to the scripture in Galatians that says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? 
that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. Who, who swung your boat, buddy? Come on, Galatians. This is the, this only I want to learn from you, Paul says to the Galatians. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Isn't it amazing how the scenario is perfectly parallel? We have this group of Israelites, two million, baptized, blood covered their homes. They come out giving God thanks that they're free. But something quickly changes and they think, well, having begun in the spirit, we're going to now be made perfect in the flesh. We're going to have a party. God goes on and he says, they have melted down gold and made a calf. They have bowed down and sacrificed to it. They are saying, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. The calf, the golden calf. Moses turned, went down the mountain. He held in his hands the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant. That's right, Ten Commandments. Both front and back had God's writing. And when they came near the camp, Moses saw the calf, and he saw the dancing, and he burned with anger. He threw the stone tablets to the ground, smashing them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf they had made and burned it. Then he ground it into powder and threw it into the water and forced the people to drink it. Finally, he turned to Aaron and he demanded, what did these people do to you to make you bring such terrible sin upon them? Well, Aaron's going, don't be so upset, my Lord. You yourself know how evil these people are. Oh, I, it just, it makes me turn red. It flushes my face when I read Aaron's pitiful answer. Listen, he said, they said unto me, Make us gods who will lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So I told him, whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. When they brought it to me, I simply threw it into the fire and out came this calf. Woo! I could sure stop right there and talk a while about people who at the end of their lives have said, I don't know why my life is such a mess. I just threw all of my life into living for myself and for the world. And look what came out of it. A wreck. No, folks, let's be honest. Let's be serious. And I'm like, man, okay. What did he say? He said, we don't know what happened to this fellow Moses. So I'm like, seriously, a delay by leadership? What, 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 come on now. Let's stay focused on this. Let's, let's just not get distracted for this few moments. Listen closely. Is it the uncertainty of a few days, perhaps weeks even maybe, but it could make you swing your vote, Israel? <laughs> Needing to exercise personal restraint and personal spiritual discipline? Because external boundaries and discipline is disappearing momentarily. And this is what you do? You capitulate? You become a false God worshiper? How do you do it? 
Israel, switching allegiance, following someone offering a slick deal, a quick fix, a more fleshly appealing offer than to wait upon the Lord, than to trust your leadership when he's absent. And when there's a momentary out, outage like COVID-19, that's kind of made things get into a little bit of a lull, if you will, for the church when we were, and we are a fervent congregation. And churches across the country that are fervent are having to plow through this time and do our very best. And I'm going to tell you something, I kind of see it a lot like Moses is on the mountain. He's not there to preach and teach, and he's not there to breathe down people's necks, and he's not there to give laws and orders and be the governor and be the one who's helping people know what to do. And, and so guess what? Well, it's a whole lot more appealing since we have some absenteeism going on and we're having to exercise personal discipline and personal devotion to just let a more fleshly appeal of flipping the channels and watching others and, and, and reading self-help and, and going about other business and taking care of our jobs and taking care of our 401. Oh, this is a perfect time for us to work extra hours because we're not having to go to church. Are you kidding me? Moses is coming back to this camp, Israel. And when he comes back, I sure hope he doesn't find a big bunch of partiers who have swung their vote away from God because they wanted fleshly appeal. I hope that he doesn't find a bunch of carnal people who have changed their mind and who are like, well, we, we tried something else. We didn't know when this COVID-19 mess was going to be over with. So we decided just to kind of figure it out on our own. No, I want to tell you something. What has been spoken before is being spoken now, and it will continue to be spoken and it's got to be in your heart not in your church's pulpit can you say amen if you just are waiting on the pulpit you're going to find out that there's coming a day when you're going to have to figure it out on a personal basis and when you stand face to face with god i hope the lord is pleased and can say who will give an account for your soul so i ask myself whatever happened to loyalty israel whatever happened to allegiance israel whatever happened to your dedication israel Whatever happened to your true commitment? It reminds me of Jesus telling his disciples, could you not tarry with me one hour without fading into a sleepy, backslidden condition? Swing voters. Undecided. Today, we may think, oh, I am 100% decided. How decided are you really? Are we really settled or are we for sale? I, this could be a message that goes on and on and on because there are so many examples in the Bible. But let's get back to our text. Moses saw that Aaron had let the people get completely out of control. Mm. Sounds familiar when these stabilizing factors are missing or neglected, right? Uh, here's the sad part. Much to the amusement of their enemies... People are watching. And if people saw you faithful before the pandemic and unfaithful during the pandemic, they are definitely going to be amused. Can you say amen? They're going to be amused. Where did that special fervor for God go? It was just because everything was going well. It was just because they had 
external boundaries and they had a schedule and now look at how faithful they are no longer are they committed to god no longer do they even look like they belong to the apostolic pentecostal churches and no longer it even doesn't even look like they they even care about their lives for church because they they, they, this, this little time shut them down and now they're dancing around a golden calf of fleshly appetites much amusement but to their enemies. So, okay, that's when we get to our focus scripture. So, Moses stood at the entrance of the camp and shouted, All who are on the Lord's side, come here and join me. And all the Levites gathered around him. And Moses told them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Okay, watch this. This is the end of the story. Each, you, each of you, take your sword. Go back and forth like a lawnmower over a lawn that needs to be cut. Take your sword, go back and forth from one end of the camp to the other. Kill everyone, even your brothers, friends, and neighbors. You're like, Pastor, that can't be in my Bible. That not God a God of love? And compassion. Listen closely. The Levites obeyed Moses' command. And about 3,000 people died that day. Then Moses told the Levites. Okay, now the Levites. The Levites have sprung into reality. They have sprung into the forefront. They are now front and center. Everybody's tweeting about the Levites. The Levites, everybody's talking about them. They're on the front page. They're on Time Magazine. The Levites! And Moses tells them, Today you have ordained yourselves for the service of the Lord. For you obeying him, even though it meant killing your own sons and brothers. Today... You have earned a blessing. Wow. What a story. What a story. You see how the Levites really were in the minority. But they were a swing vote tribe. The men of Levi, if you study it out, they must have numbered around 2,000 strong. That's the best scholarly number of the census of the men of, from 30 to 50 in the tribe of Levi, about 2,000. And so here they are in that whole long set of scriptures I just read. They're now inaugurated, ordained into Bible history as representatives of God to the people and representatives of the people to God, the tribe of Levi. But now, stay focused here for a second. Before Moses arrives, I want you to see what it might have looked like for the Levites. Let's engage. Come on now. Stay focused. Before Moses has shown up, it's party time in the valley, and there is this golden calf that has come out of the fire. No one knows the details. But I want us in our minds to realize that until he showed up, there were some Levites 
who were down among the partiers. In my mind's eye, I see them potentially getting swept along with the ruckus momentarily. Swept along with the popular momentum and the rhythm of what's going on and swept along. But, but I see them also being troubled, sickened by what is happening in front of their eyes. They're the ones who have the closest blood relationship to Moses of all the tribes. But whatever it is that kept their sobriety, no doubt they were the tribe with the most God-seriousness of all. They were the most God-conscious tribe of all. Well, pastor, how do you know that? No, duh. Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come to me. So let's wrap this message up with this understanding that there was indeed a conflict, friends. There was indeed a, 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 a two and a from, a give and a take. There was a conflict. Any sensible individual would know that the commands of God are being challenged by self-pleasing partying and frivolity. You see, holiness and right standing are now pitted against sin and oppression. Before any blood was shed, listen closely, before any blood was shed, before any justice is carried out, they were given an opportunity a window to own their allegiance openly, to be willing to be in a minority, to become aggressive, to even overlook their family ties if that was necessary. This split second decision would separate not just tribes, but actual families. It would render some dead and some alive. Just this one decision. Who is on the Lord's side? A swing vote is about to happen. And we've got some people who are about to make a decision. They have no idea what's coming. But they know Moses is mad. Here he comes. He had something in his hand when he was around that bush. And now he's come around and now he doesn't have anything in his hand. Where did that go? Well, he must have smashed whatever he had in his hand. That's right. He and here he comes. His red face is red. And he is angry. And he's looking down. And he's about to do all of this stuff that we've read about. And he's about to bring a decision to every man, woman, boy, and girl in the entire nation. Some would live, some would die. Those who stood, those who were jerked to attention, those who were yanked in their heart to realize that what Moses was saying, he's the Moses representative. He's the representative of Almighty God, and he's the one who led us through. He's the one who, who told us what to do to keep our oldest from getting killed with the death angel. He's the one who, who raised his rod, and God opened up the Red Sea. He, he's the one who has told us what to do, and you know what? I have a decision. I can either run along with the big crowd here that's all partying and loving life and, and loving all the, all the, the, the craziness of, of flesh, they're enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season's what they're doing. And you and I, if we'd have been in that party that day, I wonder how many of us would have been willing to say, there's a decision to make. And we don't have weeks, we don't have months, and we don't have years. We have got to be a part of a swing vote that is going to determine history today. And history was indeed determined on that day. I'm saying it again. Who is on the Lord's side? Everybody who stood on the Lord's side with Moses, they were the ones who were victorious. They were the ones who joined the side of a clean conscience and a clean heart. 
There were those who joined the side of the warfare which ends in heaven and ends in victory. Isn't it interesting that that same decision is still alive and well? In this season, in this season of election, it's true. I want you to catch this. There is more at stake than waffling between two political parties and two presidential candidates. Something much more ultimate at hand. An issue that must be, must be considered that is way, way more pressing and farther reaching into eternity. You know what that is? Is if you decide to refuse to take a public stand against everything opposed to God. I'm going to ask it again. Who is on the Lord's side? It's a question that clarifies the need for separation to come out and take a stand. The sword of God's vengeance was about to go through the camp. Never forget, judgments of God are sure to overtake the presumptuous sinner sooner or later. So I say today, God has sent you a pastor today who is standing and saying, who is on the Lord's side? We need faithful preaching, church. We need faithful teaching, church. We need faithful Bible reading. We need faithful praying. We've got to have our homes filled. Let it be said that the halls and the corridors and the areas, all of them rooms of our homes constantly are hearing the sound of praising, praying, worshiping, good Christian music and praise and worship that is happening without having to be in church. When we can't be in church, it shouldn't stop the faithfulness of God's people these days. I really am sad to tell you, brothers and sisters, that these days have weakened those who are already suffering with spiritual malaise and lethargy they have weakened them don't let that be said of you please talking to you don't let it be said that i was already a little weak and now i am really far from where i should be and i can't blame a pandemic i can't blame a golden calf i gotta blame whether or not i was willing to hear swing vote make your mind up don't let it be said of you. I want to invite you to be a part of the swing vote that the Levites represented in this service today. Let's not be a company of blind weaklings glorying in their strength, making gods for themselves out of their own perverted imagination. Can you imagine? No. I'm seeing a crisis worse than coronavirus in front of us. Worse than coronavirus. Truth cannot be divided, brothers and sisters. You can't have truth on this group and truth for this group. No, no, no. You can't have truth for that candidate and truth for that. No, no, no. You, that's called relativism. I believe in absolute truth. And because I believe in the Bible, I believe in absolute truth. Conduct cannot have two different hearts. It's got one heart. Neither can a new man in Jesus Christ be divided. He is one. So I set before you today life and death. There will come no possible advantage for rebellion I want to tell you, danger and distraction are directly in the path of one who lifts himself against God and says, oh, I don't really care. No, let him come to me, Moses says. Let him come to me. <laughs> Feel the Holy Ghost stirring my spirit. We had to get fuel this morning on the way to church, and I realized there was a big invisible tank filling the pipe filling the hose filling the nozzle and it was coming in and filling my car and it made me realize when we come to church or we're watching online 
it, it, it can be that, that there's a great big resource that's being poured in your direction, but are you willing to open up the tank flap? Are you willing to take off the, the cover and, and unscrew the cap and get it, let it be imparted into your heart? Somebody's watching right now that's getting filled, and I hope you're getting filled with the message of the Lord today. The scripture says, let him come. There is no lack of supply of God's anointing. There is no lack of supply of God's direction and God's word. Let him come unto me. That is the only alternative. That is the only thing that'll change you and change your history. I say we trust in the Lord. Abraham Lincoln had a speaker of a delegation of Christian people gathered together and, and, and I mean they were gathered together and the speaker said, we trust the Lord is on our side, Mr. Lincoln. We trust the Lord is on our side. This was one of the darkest days of the American Civil War. We trust the Lord God is on our side, Mr. Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln said, I do not regard that as so essential as something else. Well, the visitors looked on with horror, and they're like, what in the world is he talking about? There's something more important? President Lincoln said, I am most concerned to know that we are on the Lord's side. Not that the Lord is on ours, but that we are on the Lord's side. Those words resonate in 2020. God, I don't want you to be on my side. That's not your responsibility. It's my responsibility to get on your side. Moses didn't say, okay, whose side can I get on? No, Moses said, who's on the Lord's side? I want you to listen cl closely at the conclusion of this message. Can you hear a voice coming from the New Testament? Listen closely as we conclude. Listen, I'm hearing the voice of the Messiah himself, Jesus Christ. Let's strain our hearing. Can you hear? I think maybe now after this message of being stuck in the middle for only a split second, I hope in Jesus' name, I hope in Jesus' name you can hear these words now more than ever ringing with truth and with clarity and with urgency. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come unto me. Woo, Moses' words. But 3,000 years later, Jesus is uttering those words. You know why? Because those were God's words in the Old Testament. They're God's words in the New Testament. They're God's words in 2020. Jesus saying right here, he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart flows rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. Hallelujah. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. He was speaking of the Spirit. And, and, and listen, I've got to get you Bible scholars to take John 7, 37 and connect it to Revelation 22, 17 permanently in your notes. John 7, 37. Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He who believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Out of his innermost being. He was speaking of the Spirit. And now... Watch Jesus' own words, the last of your Bible, the last chapter, Revelation twenty-two seventeen. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Wow. 
Moses' words are echoing through the millennia. (laughs) And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. That word come means make an appearance. It means come before the public. It means not to be ashamed to arise and to show yourself. Find a place of influence. Be established. Become known. Come. That's what come means. Let who him who thirsts come. And watch this. Whosoever will, whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Thank you, Jesus. As we conclude this service, I'm asking you to just bear with your pastor's message for a few minutes. While you're watching right now, you may not have had any supernatural experience through this pandemic in front of your screen. But I'm saying today is the day for us to bring that to an end. And let's let there be a supernatural experience in your home wherever you're watching. The devil may tell you, you can't receive this spirit. You you can't get this living water flowing at home during a pandemic. But I'm telling you, don't you listen to the lies of the evil one. I know his lies are going to tell you, you're just too evil, too guilty, too far gone to come to Jesus. You're too far away to repent and receive the Spirit of God, evidenced by speaking in a heavenly language. But I'm standing against that, and I'm saying in Jesus' name, right now, wherever you are, you can come and stand on the Lord's side. Maybe you could draw a little line in front of you wherever you are and and, and get into a position of kneeling or step over that line and stand praying. But could I get everybody right now? I want us to just tune in to the Holy Ghost. Thank you for tuning in to my message. The Lord has given me for you. It's not my message, it's God's. But thank you for doing that. But now it's time for you to tune in to the Holy Ghost. Would you let these words begin to resonate in a prayer place right now? As a church, let's come. It's time for us to end the dilemma. It's time for us to stop the swing vote. It's time right here, right now, on this Sunday morning, the Lord's Day, for us to say, I will not be a part of those who cannot decide. I will stand for the Lord. I will stand for my almighty Savior. I will love Him. I will serve Him. And I'm no longer going to be in a position of decision. I'm ready to come. I'm ready to come. Heavenly Father, I pray right now, as those who are here, those who are near, and those who are far are joining me in prayer. Lord, I believe our part is done. Our message has been delivered. And now, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, you'd let the Spirit minister sweetly, but powerfully in every home. Let the Spirit of God minister. I pray in Jesus' name for you to let there be a a, a moment right now of decision that is made. Never turning around. Lord, I thank you for the example of the Levites. They refused to be middle ground. God, help us, I pray, to refuse to be soft, mushy middle. Lord, I know you're calling those who are lukewarm to wake up. 
those who are lukewarm to be decisive. God Almighty, we know those who are lukewarm, you will spew out of your mouth. God, you would rather us be extreme one way or another. There's not three decisions, there's two. Help us, I pray, to get on the Lord's side today. As I sign off, I say, God bless the words, and I want you to join us in prayer as the team sings, leads us further into the presence of God. I'm excited to hear there are individuals making a decision today. I know that's happening. And in Jesus' name, I leave this message with you today. Swing vote in the desert. It's got to come to the conclusion. Whose side are you really on? In Jesus' name.